Welcome to Theater Corner. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. Theater Corner was created as an ongoing effort to create more diverse interest and involvement in the theater scene. This episode is being brought to you by our generous sponsors, the Westgate Hotel. Located in downtown San Diego, the Westgate is a one-of-a-kind luxury boutique hotel offering the ease, elegance, and pleasures of the world's finest. Today, our guest is the incredibly funny, incredibly talented actor, Mark Christopher Lawrence. Uh, Welcome to guys. Theater Corner, brother. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome to be here. I'm really quite excited to, to sit down with you. Uh, a local San Diego talent. Yeah, yeah, I moved here in uh, 99. You do local theater. Right, You right. do television, you do film, and voiceover. You're, and commercials. You're covering it all. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, as, as an actor, the more you do, the more you do. You spend a lot of time on, on stage and, and theater. And, and, and I'm curious, so why, why theater? What, what, what speaks to you about theater? Why is that well, so important? Well, that's the first love. I mean, I mean with theater, it's like, it's like that's where you, you learn to act. That's where you grow. That's, you know, my, first, my first professional play uh, was at Los Angeles Theater Center, Anthony Cleopatra. Mm. Um, Rosalind Cash was in it. John Goodman was mm-hmm. in it. Mitch, Mitchell Ryan, Kyle Sikor, you know, all these really strong actors, CCH Pounder. Um, and I was still in college. Uh-huh. And my acting in class took a leap because I was doing this play. Because uh-huh. all of a sudden I had to keep up with these actors who were beasts. Mm-hmm. You know? So the thing about, about theater that, that really draws me is that, is that not only am I learning every day, um, it feeds that, that, that beast in there, you know, because because when you're doing TV, it's it's very surface, it's formulaic, right, right. You know, sitcom formulaic. So you, you want to do something that's deeper, and um, I tend to do very dramatic plays uh, because I do a lot of comedy mm-hmm. in TV. But the thing I love about theater is that you know right now if you suck. <laughs> There's no question. The audience will let you know, so you can come back tomorrow and try to fix it. Right. You right. Know, with TV and film, you know, it's like you you're hoping the editor you know, does the best he can to make you look better. That's interesting. Yeah. And so you've done, like you mentioned, Shakespeare and yeah. lots of August Wilson. August Wilson, yeah, and a lot of new creations. Uh, I love August Wilson, man. August Wilson is, is, is such a brilliant writer. I mean, you know, I always tell people, if you just say the words, uh-huh. you're 80% there. <laughs> right. Just say it the way he wrote it, you'll be fine. Right, right, right. <laughs> There is some long monologues in Man, some of those pieces. I, I played Boy Willie. Oh, really? Yeah, and piano lesson. And Boy Willie had had a had a ten page run where uh, it was basically a monologue that was interrupted a few times by one line. <laughs> right, and so right. I just memorized it as a monologue and hope people jumped in when they were supposed to jump in. All right. You know, and it was tough. I mean, it was like out of a hundred and I think seven or eight pages, uh-huh. he had the lion's share on eighty two pages. Jeez. And it was brutal. I mean, I was, last thing that, that I did before I went to bed, first thing I did when I woke up was run through those lines. Wow. So who, who was right? Boy Willie or his sister? About the piano. Well, in the end, I believe Boy, 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 Willie, Boy Willie understood the importance of the piano. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and of its legacy. Mm-hmm. And so he was willing to let it go. Uh, you know, he's like, I just got to get that money some other way. I, I love the August Wilson piece. And I think... Between Shakespeare and August Wilson, perhaps that's where an actor is really sharpening the chops. Huh? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, well, well, the thing is, is this: it's, it's like when you're acting on stage. Let's say you're doing a show and it's, it's eight nights. It's eight nights a week, mm-hmm. or eight shows a week. Um, 
the only thing that you, that you know is that what happened to you during the day. Mm. You don't know what went on with your, your scene mate. Mm. You don't know what went on with the audience. Right. You, know, you know how the play is staged and how it's set up and what you're supposed to do. But within that, you have to react to what's going on mm. with the actor that you're playing with. And you have to, in some sense, be aware of what's going on with the audience. Right, right. You know, like if there's a funny moment, you have to know when to pause and when to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and so the only thing that, that you have any control over is is what your day was like. <laughs> and so you got to be in the moment. You got to be ready every every day. It's it's got to be truth. In terms of television, what people really recognize you as uh, as as Big Mike from, uh, from Chuck. Chuck. Yeah, and that, and that yeah. was your longest running TV yeah. gig. Yeah, we did five years, five seasons. Wow, that's, that's strong. What is that experience like? Um, uh, you, you know, it was interesting in that it was a very large cast. I mean, we were 10 strong, mm-hmm. you know, of serious regulars. And because of that, you're hoping that you go to work and everybody is, is nice. Mm. And we were blessed, man. Everybody was great. Cast, crew, everybody. So mm. it was fun to go to work. Uh. Yeah. Like, like I, I, did an, I, I did an episode of um, Designing Women. Mm-hmm. And there was so much tension on that set. And there were only the three women and Meshach Taylor. Really? And so I said to Meshach, it's like you can just feel it, it was culpable. And I said to, to Meshach, I said, how do you work like this? He says, I just try to stay out of their way. <laughs> <laughs> but dear, your, your very first television experience was Hill Street Blues. Yeah, first audition. First audition. Right. I, I, here's the story. I was at USC. Um, as an actor, one mm. of my, I was at USC on a debate scholarship, and one of my debate coaches had a friend who was an agent. She came to see me in a play at USC, mm-hmm. gave me a card. Two days later, I go and visit her. Um, she signs me. I don't have any money, mm. completely broke, so she pays to have a guy take pictures for me. Um, the pictures come back. She, first picture she sent out was for Hill Street Blues. I get the audition, I go in, do the audition, go back home, and it's already on the machine, I have the job. Wow. So then for the next year, I'd rush home and check my machine, <laughs> and nothing. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but it was the best thing that could ever happen to me, because uh-huh. now I go, I do it, and just let it go, because I'm not gonna get them all. Right, right, right. And so even when I'm in a slump, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, something will come, I'll be fine. Man, this acting is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the faint of heart. I mean, I know some really strong actors who stopped mm. because they couldn't take the roller coaster. Jeez. You know, but that's why I do a lot of other stuff. I uh. do, you know, voiceover and commercials and, you know, TV and film and, and stage because you can bounce back into that. Stand up, you know, keeps the bills paid. Wow. And so in terms of film, here's a brother that was on Terminator 2. First big movie. And, and I've said this many times, that every time I've tried to do something else mm-hmm. in the industry, or out of the industry, it's like because I get frustrated. That was, Terminator 2 was like in my first five years. So all my friends from debate in college were clerking for judges and mm-hmm. are, are either you know, at major law firms. And I was like, you know, just sort of meandering along as this <laughs> under five actor. And um, I was like, man, maybe I made a mistake. Mm. And um, I had like a three-month period where I didn't work. So I saw in the, in the LA Weekly, there was learn to, learn to deal cards. So I was like, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and take this class, learn how to deal cards. I'll, I'll get you know, placed in like Monaco or, or 
Vegas or somewhere, and that'll be my career. Because they said, you know, six figures a year. Uh, you know, we have placement, da 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 da. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why I believe that, that, that God truly puts you where you, he wants you to be. Mm. I go and audit the first class. You can audit for free. If you like it, plop down four ninety nine mm. for the class. So I'm sitting there in the first class. Before the first break, the doors open. Some suits come in. Shut the class down. Oh, wow. Apparently, they were laundering money for this <laughs> class. And, um, and then uh, a week later, I was booked for Terminator 2. Wow. My goodness. Yeah. And that experience? Fantastic. James Cameron, watching him as a film director was was brilliant. I mean, it's, I, it, it was the only time that I I found myself on set all the time because usually I say, okay, you gotta go lay down because you never know when they're gonna call you back in. Mm -hmm. But I was just watching him the way he worked. He was so meticulous. Mm. You know, there's a scene where um, you know, I did all the work in the hospital uh, scenes in the in the movie, and there's a scene where we're chasing Linda Hamilton down this hallway. And he had uh, six cameras set up. Hmm. And as we run down the hallway, he had a steady cam. This is the first time I'd ever seen a steady cam. Uh -huh. And the steady cam operator was trying to keep up with her running. <laughs> and then um, he said to us, he says, he says, hey, you guys got to keep up with Linda. It's like, well, our characters are called burly attendants. <laughs> Linda Helms has been working out six days a week, sometimes <laughs> twice a day. And so, uh, but he was so meticulous about every little thing, mm. you know. And it shows on screen, you know, because he has a vision the way he wants to see it, and he he gets it. You've done a little producing yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, first thing I produced was a play in at the Los Angeles Theater Center mm -hmm. with uh, some producing partners of mine, um, uh, and then I produced a one man show uh, of Barry Shabaka Henley. It was uh, Jungle Bells, and then um, I'm producing now uh, a talk show. And it's called Pure Comedy for PureFlix. Mm -hmm. PureFlix.com. So, Mark Christopher Lawrence, the, the stand-up comedian, that keeps you on the road just a, just a bit, or at a minimum, at least back and forth to L.A. I don't do a lot in L.A. Because in L.A. it's all showcase rooms. It's like, you know, when I go do stand-up, I need a check. I don't need a showcase. <laughs> you know, I think, I think you know, film and TV, I, I, I have a big enough platform for that. So, uh -huh. so generally, if I'm doing stand-up, I'm trying to go get paid. Uh -huh. um, I, I do do a little bit of road work. Uh, this past couple of months, I was out a lot. Like last month, I think I was only home like 11 days. Wow. But most of the time, I'm here. You know, my, my managers and, and, you know, agents, they don't want me on the road because I can act. Uh-huh. You know, it's like some of their uh, comedian clients aren't really good actors, so keep them out on the road. Right, right. You're extremely funny. I mean, uh, that's that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> a legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we actually have a, a short clip of, of, of some of your work where you're talking about complicated women. Yeah. Let's yes. uh, let's let's run that, Trevor. Women, you you are complicated. <laughs> extremely complicated. <laughs> See, men, we are simple. We are we are you know we're the kind of we. Hands-on, touch, feel, taste. That's who we are. You know, women, you are complicated, you know. And you've been complicated a long time. Here's how I know. The Bible says, on the sixth day, God laid Adam down, put him in a deep coma-like sleep, yanked the rib out of his side, formed woman, blew the breath of life into her. And then God needed a break. 
In fact, he stopped creating after that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, really, that's really smart. Well, well here's, here's the thing about comedy. Just like acting, you don't know what the audience has been through. Uh-huh. So as you're doing your, your bit, you know, you got to have to gauge what's going on with them and what's going on with you. Um, I happen to be one of the few comics who actually has killed a guy with jokes. Oh, really? <laughs> I was doing a show, a charity event in La Jolla at a mansion, mm. and um, 13 minutes into my 45-minute set, the host comes running back up says, Mark, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and he takes the mic. So right away I'm thinking, did I say something that was off-color for the charity? And <laughs> No, no. He says, is there a doctor in the house? That oh. night there happened to be four doctors in the house. One was uh, the guy who set up all the ERs here in San Diego. <laughs> they go to work on this guy. What happened is he's laughing so hard he has a heart attack oh, and dies. Oh, my. They go to work on him. He wakes up giggling. Oh, really? <laughs> These jokes are powerful. Oh, man. And, and needless to say, you killed that night. Killed. I, in fact, we're still standing on stage, me and the host, and I said, uh, see, Josh, this is why you hired me. Uh -huh. I killed. He starts laughing. I said, too soon? He goes, yeah, too, but funny. Too soon. <laughs> Tell me about your, your first stand-up experience. Open mic, comedy store, L.A., mm -hmm. up on Sunset Boulevard. is where everybody is. I sit in the original room waiting for my turn. You know, I'm, I'm like ninth or tenth on the list. And uh, two people before I go on, Robin Williams just pops in. Oh, jeez. And so everybody gets bumped. He does 45 minutes. <laughs> so I'm supposed to be on, you know, at about 10.30. I end up going on at like midnight. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, the guy that went right after him just tanked. And I was like, oh man, this is gonna be rough. And so the, then the next guy got a few, few laughs and I was like, okay, I should be all right. And so I go up and do my three minutes and it was funny. And Louie Anderson said to me when I came off stage, he says, you got something there, kid, keep writing. <laughs> yeah, and that was the beginning of it. It's the difference between doing theater on stage mm -hmm. and, and stand up, what would, what would that be? I think the difference is that uh, when you're doing theater, you're generally speaking somebody else's words. Mm, mm. When you're doing stand-up, you're, you're speaking your own words. However, it's still a character. You know, for me, it's like I'm not, I don't go on stage, you know, just strictly as Mark Christopher Lawrence. I think um, what happens is there's a heightened version of me. I see. That sometimes will say stuff that I don't, wouldn't necessarily say. Mm. You know, because I think, I think me as just a regular everyday person, I have a bit of a filter. On stage, maybe not. <laughs> so that's that could be great therapy for perhaps an introvert, you know. Uh, well, to, you know, gets... I was shy as a kid uh. until you got to know me, right? And um, uh, I think it really it, it does really help. Hmm. You know, even now it's like sometimes I find myself shy. It's like it's like when I first meet people, I'm a little closed, and then you know I got to warm up. Uh huh. But stand up, you just turn it on and get out there. Just, just splash onto the stage. Mm -hmm. How old were you before, when you recognized perhaps performance or things like this was, was something that, uh, that, that seemed attractive to you? I was in the 10th grade. Okay. Um, my 10th grade English teacher, um, I was an athlete, so, so uh, you know, you take the uh, English proficiency exam before mm -hmm. you go to high school. So I get there and I'm in the highest English class. 
And I always say I'm the dumbest guy in the highest English <laughs> class on the campus. It's like people that came out of there end up being like engineers. This uh -huh. one kid, Sergio Macedo, was, is like a uh, uh, interpreter at the UN. You know, spoke in, in high school was speaking like seven languages. Wow. And so I um, would be in the class, and athletes would walk by and look in there, look at me like, "What are you doing in there?" <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, I can read. <laughs> and so, but Mrs. Schilling, I always say, changed my life. Because all of a sudden, you know, I grew up in Compton during the height of the rise of the Bloods mm. and Crips. Mm. And um, all of a sudden, I didn't have time on the weekends or after school, you know, to just hang out with nothing to do. Because she gave me something to do. Got me involved in speech and debate. Got me involved in acting. And, you know, it, it changed my life. I'm doing what I do today because of her. You know, this is what she kind of opened the door to. It's like, this was a possibility. What have you found is like the best source of, of material for stand-up? Because this is, this is not an easy, simple thing. You know, the, you, you go up there, it's not like you're class clown and you're out there. I mean, this is, this is serious. So what, uh, I try to write close to myself. Like I, I do a technique that I learned, uh, you know, probably the past five years I learned from a friend of mine who I play football with. He writes poetry, he's just a brilliant guy. And um, he says, look, take a piece of paper, draw a straight line, put the date you were born and today's date. Start thinking about your life in that span and make a check mark every time you can think of something up if it affected you positively, mm. check mark down if it affected you negatively. Mm. And then write whatever that thing was in that timeline of where, you know, where it was in your life. And um, it helps you with poetry. And then when I did that, all of a sudden it opened up all of these ideas about my life from when I was a kid to now. Mm. And that's where I get most of my stuff from, these things that happen to me positively and negatively. Is there a particular comedian that you performed in the same show with that, that kind of had some more influence on you than others? I mean, you, you performed in the same show with Sinbad, Jerry Steinfeld, Rodney well, Dangerfield, you know, Jeff Foxworthy. You know, I, it's like there's so many comics that I like. Uh -huh. um, and, and I don't know that, that usually if it's somebody that I've worked with, but Sinbad really impressed me. You, you know, when I worked with Sinbad, he did something that I've never seen done before. Um, we were at Rupp Arena in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. He had them bring the lights up. There's 10,000 people there. And he looks out in the audience with the lights up and just starts talking to the audience, having, you know, crowd work, as we call it, uh -huh. doing crowd work. And as a comic, you know, it's like you usually go up and try to just do your stuff. Mm -hmm. But he wanted to talk to him first. And he talked to him, and it was hilarious. And then he got into the jokes. He let that lead him into the jokes. Wow. Where me, personally, it's like I stay away from the crowd work unless I'm hosting, uh -huh. you know, just, just to get them to say if there's a birthday, if there's an anniversary, whatever, you know, try to figure out who people are. But as, as a headliner, I don't do that. I just go out and do my stuff. Unless you try to help, and then I help help you stop helping. <laughs> <laughs> how do how does one deal with hecklers? Uh, What's the best I, approach? I try to give them like a little slap on the hand, and if uh, that doesn't work, then you kind of give them you know straight jab. And if that doesn't work, <laughs> then you take five minutes and have a conversation uh, where you're kind of tearing them down, and that usually just shuts them down. Uh, you know, I've only had like one real bad heckler experience, and it was here in San Diego last year. And this guy like stands up and is like getting all boisterous, and so they had to march him. But it's like, at, at one point, I just started singing "Kumbaya," <laughs> and the audience turned against this guy. Oh, <laughs> it was so funny! It's like, wow. 
So San Diego's famous for Comic-Con, and that just uh, just ended. I understand you you, you had some participation? Yeah, every year um, I go down with, with my little film crew, and we, we shoot some man-on-the-street stuff and mm. uh, go to parties, talk to people, network. Um, uh, and so we shoot this footage for the Geek Roundtable, and uh, it's, 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 it's fun. It's like it's an interesting, interesting thing. Interesting people from all over the world right, right. come to San Diego. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con is equivalent to the Super Bowl financially for the city. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that big. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, watching people during that thing is amazing. And costumes, very ingenious yeah. costumes, creative yeah. stuff. Creative stuff. And the thing I like about it most with the costumes is that people get in where they fit in. Like one year, <laughs> there was a guy, he had on like a $7,000 Iron Man outfit. Wow. You know, with the vocals and the lights and the hands and the chest and <laughs> You know, the mask would go up. Uh, yeah. And then I see this kid, uh, probably in his early 20s, with a cardboard box that he has painted like Iron Man <laughs> and a football helmet that he, <laughs> that he painted, right. put a little mask on. It was hilarious. But it was like, this is what Comic-Con is all about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, people have the, the, the things that they like, and it's like, okay, I'm going get to get in there and make my own costume if I have to, <laughs> or I'll just go out and spend seven grand if I need to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mark Christopher Lawrence, before you go, you know, we have a lot of upcoming uh, artists mm-hmm. watching this show. What, what advice did, would you give to up-and-coming new young artists? I would say to young artists, um, train. Train, mm-hmm. train, train. Um, there, there's, there's nothing more important than, than honing your craft. And you know, like a, lot of, a lot of young folks just want to jump right into TV or mm-hmm. right into commercials and, or film or whatever. And it's like, you look at the people who've been around for years and years and years. It's because they have theater backgrounds. Because they're, uh. they're doing theater. And that's where you get a lot of strength and training, craft honing. Um, they keep working at the craft. You know, I, I told him, I said, look, if you, if you go to an audition and you see me sitting there and you haven't trained and we're reading for the same role, you're not getting a job. <laughs> there you go. And that's a fact, uh-huh. you know, because people are, are trained. So you need to be ready. Mark, I, I really appreciate you coming by the theater corner. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate you as an actor, as a talent, as a, as a comedian. You bring joy to people's lives. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a noble thing. <laughs> you know, it, it, for me, the, the comedy stuff comes easy, and so, mm. so why not just share it? Right, I, right. There you go. Very good. Well, thank you again, brother, for coming by sitting here with me on Theater Corner. Thank you. And thank you, viewers, for tuning in to another episode of Theater Corner, and we'll see you next time.